This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, have them ready this morning. We're going to be moving around, looking at several passages today. As you know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day when we make the extra effort, or I hope you do, to express love to those who mean so much to us. With my amazing wife of 34 years, five wonderful daughters, two wonderful daughters-in-law, two granddaughters, and my godly mother, tomorrow's expensive. I mean, tomorrow is... Tomorrow is a great opportunity. But I really have to focus on making sure they know how much I love them. What a difference they have made, are making in my life, our family. Would you agree with me it does matter? Would you agree with me it does matter? Expressing love. Okay. I know, I lost half of you because all you guys are thinking, oh, where do I go to get the flowers? And Okay. Anyway, try to stay with me this morning, guys. It does matter. Yet, when I consider who loves the most and is most worthy of my expressions of love, I dare not neglect letting my Lord know I love Him. And this should also happen. How many Valentine's Days have you just gotten alone with God to say, with all the others that I love, Lord, I love you more. And of course, not just Valentine's, this should happen daily. We should express our love to the Lord, though even as you express that to Him, There's going to be a sense in you, I'm not worthy to be able to do this, and I certainly don't love him enough. But even as we look at that today, God just wants to see and know and hear that you love him. Now, there is an expression in Scripture that I've already mentioned to you today. I've been studying it this past week, and it does require study. It's the expression, the love of God. Four words, the love of God. Again, used in 13 verses in our Bible. It requires study because of this. First, it can either refer to our love toward God or God's love toward us. And in some of these passages, it's not real easy to discern which one it's referring to. So you do have to study. I'm going to try to give you some help with that today. It also requires study. Secondly, because it is the foundation, and I'm going to use two words together that maybe you haven't thought of, but it is so important, our relational sanctification. Relational sanctification. We have been set apart by God to himself. But that's not just functional. Well, I need to be different now. I'm a Christian. I need to obey God. I'm a Christian. No, I get to obey God because he loves me and I need to love him back. So relational sanctification. The fact that that is based on love. 
If, if your focus on the Christian life is just duty and it's not love and devotion, you need to adjust your thinking. I speak often from this pulpit about spirit dependence, but my heart has been convicted about the importance of talking about loving spirit dependence. I also acknowledge that God's love and our love for Him is mentioned many more times than where we just see the expression, the love of God. Uh, in fact, God's love is demonstrated throughout the Scripture. In fact, it's demonstrated sometimes most powerfully at times when people are not loving God at all. So my goal is to help us understand the love of God as the expression is used in Scripture, and then help us see the important applications of it in our lives so it can grow us and even transform our relationship with our Creator. Now, this was God's doing. This was not Asher, okay? But the fact that we're going to talk tonight about the application of our love back to Him in light of other things that are going on, you need to think hard and long about that. Now, we, we joke about this a little bit. I mean, we know what God would have us do. Uh, I'm afraid there are a lot of Christians in this country, they don't know what God would have them do in this, or they don't care. Um, somebody sent me a verse, bodily exercise profiteth little. You know, talking about we, we need to think about the Super Bowl tonight. They were joking. Okay. And I got to thinking about that, so I went to that text in the Scripture. Bodily exercise profiteth a little, but then Paul writing to Timothy goes on to talk about what really matters. And that is obedience to Christ that will count for eternity. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what the verse says. Besides the fact that it's not your bodily exercise we're talking about. If somebody is playing in a sports event, especially what's going to happen tonight, it's not your bodily exercise. In fact, you will probably be putting things in your mouth requiring that you have more bodily exercise. So let's just be honest about this, okay? All right, all right, we better move on. So the title of the message this morning and then tonight the love of God, the love of God. Now, as we consider the love of God, whether his love towards us or our love towards him, the scripture teaches us the origin of that love. So let's start there. Go to 1 John 3 and verse 16. The origin of the love of God. Now, this is, this is pretty obvious, but... It's not so obvious that the Lord doesn't take time in his word to really reveal this to us. Here's what 1 John 3.16 says. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Now, perceive. That's an important word because you, do you realize that without God's revelation of himself, you could not perceive his love? So hereby perceive we the love of God, and the way that's worded, it's His love for us. We perceive the love of God for us because He laid down His life for us. By the way, that's a great text 
for the divinity of Christ. Who laid down his life? God did. His life for us, and we ought then to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now that application we're going to look at this evening. Now most of us know John 3.16. The scripture references in our Bible are not, or the scripture numbers in our Bible. The way the verses were divided, they did a great job with it. It's not inspired. Okay, I'm glad that it's there, but maybe this will help you remember 1 John 3.16 and then remember John 3.16. Now, if you remember John 3.16, these 3.16s in your Bible, you'll be reminded of the origin of the love of God for us. If anybody ever brings into question, well, how do you know God loves us? 3.16. Let's go take a look. Now, you all know John 3, 16. Most of us do. Let's quote it together, shall we? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So where in your Bible do you find the origin of the love of God for us? The three sixteens. Now with that, consider another verse that many of us have memorized, Romans 5.8. But God commendeth, he demonstrated, he showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.9, and this was manifested, made known, revealed the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. The origin of the love of God is God. Now that should be obvious for us that it originated with him, but it should also be obvious that it has nothing to do with us. Now this is critical. God did not look down from heaven and see me and say, boy, that looks lovable. Go ahead and laugh. When he looked and saw me, there was nothing lovable here. Okay? Yes, made in his image, but born a sinner. Born already in a place where I deserve judgment for sin. So his love for us was his choice. Do you remember the greatest commandment that the Lord gave in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy 6.5 has it. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. The command is we're to love God with our entire being. When Jesus was asked about that during his earthly ministry, what's the greatest commandment? He quotes this. And then he says, and love thy neighbor as thyself. In fact, all the law and the prophets is wrapped up in those commands. Love God back. Here's the interesting thing about Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5. You can't. Remember, the law is the school teacher that shows us we need God. And so even the greatest commandment, Love God back. You can't. You can't do it. You can talk about it. You can tell others you do it. 
But apart from Him, you can't. Apart from the transforming faith, even in the Old Testament, believing God and have that counted as righteousness, there isn't a single soul in your Old Testament who loved God back who first didn't put saving faith in God. You look at it. It is impossible for an unbeliever, someone who is unregenerated, to love God back. Nor could they ever love God back. Now this is where I want us to go to the first passage together. We're going to take a deeper look. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Let's begin in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. I want to take a close look at verse 5 because here is one of those verses where our expression uh, is used. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, God's love towards us, is shed abroad abundantly, broadly in our hearts. Now notice, who is the source? Who gives it? By the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. You don't generate it. On my own, I don't find it. It is all God. Now also remember that the fruit of the Spirit is selfless love. When, when you yield to the Holy Spirit and He gives you love, whose love is it? It's His love. It's God's love. Whether we then exercise that back to God or to others. It's no wonder then that Jesus said this to the unbelieving Pharisees in John 5 and verse 42. Listen to this. But I know you that ye have not the love toward God in you. Why? They didn't believe on him. He could not give them the love to love him back because they were in unbelief. He says a similar thing to them in Luke 11 and verse 42. Woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herb and pass over judgment, and you also pass over, notice this, the love of God. Now what is that referring to? Here in the original language, it's an objective genitive, the love towards God. In other words, because of your unbelief, you have passed over being able to grasp the love God has for you. Now, the harshest things that Jesus said to anybody in the Bible, he said to Pharisees. Here's a question. Did he love them? Hence, the harsh things he was saying to them. Well, I love them, so I won't say what, what's hard. Now, you need to tell them what they need to hear. That's what God did. And by the way, some of those Pharisees got saved. 
because he told them what they needed to hear. We live in a day where people are trying to silence us. If you believe the truth, well, I don't, they're, they're going to call you a hater if you tell them the truth. No, the most loving thing you can do to somebody is tell them the truth. That's what God did. Because with the Pharisees, he wanted them to know his love for them. What an amazing God. So the origin of God's love toward us is God. Completely. Apart from faith and the working of the Holy Spirit, a person cannot even comprehend the love of God. And yet, the God who is love. Twice in John's epistles, 1 John 4, 8, and then in verse 16, he's referred to, God is love. He is love, that is who he is. He is the source of love. He loves you, and unlike man, he doesn't have different kinds of love. You realize when you read about God in the Bible, he's got one kind of love. It's selfless, giving love. And he always exercises that. Now, we have different kinds of love. We have brotherly love, phileo, there's erotic lust. We've got to be careful not to even call that love. But eros, there's another Greek word. Uh, there are different levels of love, Christ-like love, the love that is like God, that's selfless love. That's the only kind of love God has. Listen to Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. In his love, he draws us to himself. Now, who's the writer? Jeremiah. Was Israel living for God? No. Now, they wanted everybody to think they loved God, but God said, you draw nigh to me with your lips, but your heart, far from me. What is he saying? No love. You don't care, but I care, and I will love you with an everlasting love. It cannot fail. It will not change. You may receive expressions of love from others come Valentine's Day, but no one loves you perfectly like God does. Will you confess God's love for you this morning? Doesn't matter who you are, your background, how smart, how pretty. God loves you. You have no legitimate reason to doubt it. You don't. Say, well, my circumstances... Doesn't change God's love for you. But here's what, here's what people have said about me. It's not what God thinks. He loves you. Well, I'm not so sure. Be sure he sent his son to die on a cross just for you. Yeah, he loves you. Now, the remaining verses that use the expression, the love of God, teach us the operation or the function of, of the love of God. The function 
the operation of the love of God. So let's, let's continue to look at God's love towards us. The operation of God's love towards us has two main functions, and, and I will probably only get this far today. I hope it will encourage you. First of all, the first function of God's love towards us is that it allows us to sense his love. It allows us to sense his love. How does God's love toward us work? Would you turn over with me to Titus? And let's go to Titus 3. Titus 3, let's start in verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts, various lusts and pleasures. You know what that means? We loved us. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now notice verse 4. But after that, after our sinning, being loveless, verse 3, the kindness and love of God, the love of God, our Savior appeared, uh, or toward man appeared. Here's what's interesting. That word love is a different word than it's used in these other expressions. That word is, the basis of the word is phileo, but here's, here's what the word is. Philanthropia. You recognize an English word there? Philanthropy. And you know what the basis of that is? Giving because we have pity towards someone's need. So let's look back at the verse. But after that, after our sinning, being loveless, offending God, the kindness and love, the pity, the pitiful love of God our Savior toward man, mankind, appeared. Now notice verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We didn't earn it. But according to his mercy. There's more of that pity. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we come to realize God's love, not by our works, but by his washing. The spiritual life given to us when the Holy Spirit cleanses us and then moves into our lives. God loves everyone, but only through faith in Jesus Christ can we realize, sense, know that amazing love. So have you believed on Jesus Christ for salvation? You may be sitting there listening to this and the Holy Spirit is using it. The Holy Spirit is trying to impress on you God's love for you, but you'll never really get it. Until you humble yourself, repent of your sin, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And let him save you. Let him deliver you. So God's perfect love was meant to be experienced. But this can only happen through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with an illustration, and then we'll pick it up here uh, this evening. Our family has experienced this wonderful, we have been privileged to sense the love of God. I've never shared this with the church family here, 
the Asher clan, that name is not really the name of our clan in Germany or when the clan moved here. My dad, again, was full-blooded German. Here's what our real name was. It was Ashe, A-S-C-H-E. And when they came over from the old country, the Ashes were a bunch of drunks and troublemakers. It's, it's our family, it's the history. And so my great-grandfather was fed up with it. His name was Tab. He was fed up with it. And so he decided... No legal action. He just decided, I'm going to change our name. I'm adding an R, and now we're the Ashers. And so he left the clan, married my great-grandmother. I, I did get to know her. What a sweetheart she was. And they raised their family. And so the Ashers really did change. They were different from the rest of the bunch. Okay? I think my great-grandmother was saved. We'll have to get to heaven uh, to know that for sure. My dad, my dad thinks that as well. So, anyway, one of their sons, my grandfather, well, he, he was different that from the clan, but he had an anger problem, didn't know the Lord. He, he was a tyrant. His farm was, was impeccable. We're, all, we're a farming family. Um, and, but... But he never expressed love to my dad. My dad said, he only, I only ever heard him say it to me one time. I say, he said, I only ever saw my dad cry one time uh, when there was a farm accident that injured one of my dad's brothers. Uh, it was just, it was just a, he was just a hard man. So he died. <laughs> my grandmother remarried an ashy. The only grand, my grandfather died when he was 40. I never knew him. The only grandfather I knew on my dad's side was Grandpa Ashy. Now, he was a nice guy, but he ran the farm like the Ashies. Drove my dad crazy. Things falling apart, unkept, and so on, and I hope none of the Ashy clan is listening to this message this morning. <laughs> But to give you an idea what the Ashies were like, my parents at a farm auction bought a piece of furniture that the Ashy clan had owned. How many of you know a piece of furniture called a secretary? You know what that is. Okay, many of you do. Beautiful piece of furniture. On one side, it's a, a china cabinet with a top. The other side is a desk, hence secretary. And underneath is a is a, a, a a drawer and, and, and a cupboard. And then above that, usually, that desk, there was a mirror. Well, this particular piece of furniture, that mirror had a bullet hole in it. Because one of the Ashy clan came home one night, shot at his wife, missed the wife, but hit the secretary, all right? So we can tell people, well, I had somebody in my clan shot a secretary. I mean, it was bad. Okay, But let me tell you what happened on the Asher side. My grandfather had a brother. 
And that brother attended an old congregational church a few miles from where I grew up, and they got a new pastor. And that pastor came in there and quietly started preaching the gospel. And that uncle got saved. About 20 miles away, in our home church, we got a new pastor, and this was before, right before my parents were married, and one night, my mom and dad, not, still not married, went in there because my dad wanted to know what this being born again was about. And that pastor led my dad to the Lord, my mom. And so, as we look at our family, as a result of that now, there are, there's a bunch of grandkids living for God, cousins, and between the uncle or my, my grandfather's brother who got saved and my dad who got saved, there are three preachers that have come out of that family so far. And so, here's how I want to close this morning. You can change your name. But we, we tend to look at that R. doesn't stand for Asher. That R we've taken, and those of us who know Christ, it stands for redemption. Amen. And you know that that R has transformed most of our family. And so, now as a family, when we get together... Family get-togethers, family reunions, it's, it's not carousing and wild. It's talking about Jesus. Talking about His love for us. That God came down and intervened in a farming community in northern Illinois. A bunch of Germans. People start getting saved. And I'm able to stand here today to declare to you the love of God for us. We've experienced it. So my question as we close is this, have you experienced the love of God for you? There is no doubt about his love for you. But have you experienced that love because you set aside what you think, your self-effort, well, if I just do what my religion says and I do religious works and I'm nice to people, I've got a shot at heaven. No, you don't. If you could do good things and go to heaven, Jesus didn't need to die on a cross. Jesus had to die on a cross. But the only way you're going to sense that amazing love and then be able to live in that love for eternity is you're going to have to humble yourself and agree with what he lovingly says about you. You're lost, destined for an eternity of judgment because though he, God is love, he is also holy and he is not going to let your sin into his heaven. The only way he'll wash it away is you have to give him permission by humbly admitting that to him, confessing that to him, and then inviting Jesus Christ to be your Savior. I hope you'll do it today. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, today we thank you for the love of God towards us. 
People question, why was there the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, God, why did you let man sin? All of that remains a mystery with sovereign God, but it did enable you, Lord, to show us how loving you are. And Father, if there's anyone here today that's continuing to doubt that, Holy Spirit of God, would you break that unbelief in their heart? Would you help them to come running to Jesus? You can't love them any more. You'll never love them any less. And you want to save them today. And so in the invitation time, God, I pray that you'll help them to come to you. You already love them. But Lord, today, would they be able to leave here, help them to be able to leave here knowing peace in their hearts, sin gone, sin forgiven, having experienced the love of Christ that they cannot know any other way. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll work. And, Father, in the hearts of Christians who have your love, who can sense your love if they'll live with a trusting heart, Lord, would you help us to give you thanks this weekend, tomorrow, and every day beyond that. Thanking you for your love. Expressing that to you. We can't, we can't do it in a way that you're really worthy of, but Lord, we can sure try and you're pleased. You love it. So Lord, we need to get past loving ourselves and loving the things of this world and we need to love you more. Help us to do that. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.